And good morning, I'm Dave Mitchell, assistant to the senior pastor. Since Jesus Christ is still alive, I, uh, I thought I could inherit it. Since he's alive, I'm still, I'm still his assistant. I'm not assistant senior pastor, I'm an assistant to the senior pastor, who will be Jesus, since he is still very much alive. We're here to celebrate that life, and it's interesting as we look at this whole topic of being set free by the resurrected Christ. It's interesting to me that even parts of the world of Hollywood, the media out there, they are, in, they are captured by this image of resurrection. There's a TV show called Resurrection of individuals who have died, a little child, an adult, that have suddenly entered back into this little town and uh, an ongoing story of their journey. But they're enthralled by the concept of resurrection. There is also a movie coming out here very soon called Heaven is Real. About a little boy that apparently went to heaven and came back and he tells his parents facts about things on earth that no other person could have possibly communicated to him. But again, the whole idea of resurrection. And then there's this uh, movie that is out right now called God is Not Dead. And again, it's just capturing this whole idea that Jesus Christ is very much alive. And because he's alive, it should change things. I think one of the things that really caught my attention, I was reading this last week, there's a young family that had two boys, David and Andrew. I wrote about it in my email. If you don't get it, uh, might be something of interest to you. And I wrote about it there. Both of their sons, David and Andrew, came down with muscular dystrophy. And both of them lost their lives as a result of that particular disease. Well, David was confined to a wheelchair, couldn't get around, but he had a little friend that would help him push his wheelchair around. And this friend one day on a Saturday in there in the mall said, if you could have just one wish, what would it be? The friend asked David in his wheelchair. And David replied, nothing. I've got Jesus. My mom and my dad, they love me. And I got friends like you to help me over the speed bumps. Then he said quietly, besides, I know where I'm going and there ain't no wheelchairs there. At his funeral, before his funeral, of course, he asked his dad, Dad, would you speak at my funeral? And I want you to just talk about heaven. So for 20 minutes at David's funeral, his daddy could talk about heaven. And the whole idea that it could reunite. The resurrection means that people like David and his daddy and his mommy can reunite again. The resurrection impacts us. I'd like for us to look at three particular stories this morning, then one plus that is one of our own that really tells the story of what the resurrection should mean to us. The one portrait comes out of the life of Thomas. Many know Thomas, the so-called doubting Thomas. You might look at these three individuals we're going to look at as sort of an Instagram of their lives. We don't have time to delve into every detail, but I want to capture the highlights. And uh, Thomas is told to us in John chapter 20, in verses 24 through 29. I want to read the text for us. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. See, Jesus is alive. He had previously met with all the disciples. They saw him alive. Their lives are being transformed. But Thomas was not in the room when Jesus first appeared. So Thomas didn't believe all these friends he'd been traveling with for three years. And so Thomas has his doubts. And so the other disciples were with him saying, We have seen the Lord. But he said to him, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut 
and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. He just appeared. And he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger. See my hands and reach here with your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And then Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. Thomas represents a group of people today. He represents a group of people who have a lot of doubts about Christ. I hear my friends talk about him, but unless I see something that convinces me, I'm not going to believe. So that's the old doubting Thomas. Jesus teaches us three things about people who have doubts about Christ. The first thing that I notice in the passage that comes here is that Jesus Christ desires to connect with you. Christ came to this room. He didn't have to show up again to the disciple Thomas. He suddenly appears. He says, peace be with you. He doesn't come to judge Thomas. He doesn't come to condemn him. He comes alongside and says, man, I want peace with you, Thomas. I see your doubts. I understand that. Our hearts are frail. Our minds are weak. We don't always understand the facts. But I'm coming to you, as he said. Eight days later, Jesus came. The doors are shut. He stood in their midst and says, peace be with you, Thomas. Jesus wants to connect with those that doubt Him. He doesn't want to judge. He doesn't want to condemn. He wants to connect. Secondly, I noticed that about Thomas is that Jesus invites him to explore the real facts. Thomas, Jesus says, reach here with your finger. See my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it on my side. And do not be unbelieving but believing. You know, Thomas uh, is not being mocked by Christ. He says, if those are the kind of facts you need, I'm willing to test you. Touch me. You want the holes? You want your hands in the holes? You want your finger in my holes in my hand? Go ahead and check it out. I'm not fearful of those who want more facts. In fact, I invite it. And the beautiful thing about what we believe here at Calvary Church, what the Bible teaches, that, that we have faith, but it's not blind faith. It's faith plus reason. For example... This week I'm going to be getting on an airplane. I'm going to get on the airplane, the same model airplane that crashed in Malaysia area. The 777, the triple sevens. And I'm getting on that airplane by faith. But I've got more than faith going for me because I got facts and I got reason. If 50% of all the triple seven airplanes crashed that took off, would I get on that airplane? Would you get on the airplane? No. But 99.9% of all 777 airplanes fly, and they get to wherever they were supposed to go. Your luggage may not be there, but at least you get there. That's what counts. And so my faith in the airplane that I can't still fathom how that big piece of metal can get up in the air. I just can't figure that out. But there are people smarter than me that have figured it out. So my faith is faith in those things that I've reasoned and factually understood to the best of my knowledge, and so therefore my faith moves forward. Faith in Jesus Christ is not blind faith. Christ lives. He is proven to be alive. There are facts that we can research and discover that He is indeed alive. So we're inviting people who doubt Jesus to have faith, but faith based on reason. Reason that researches the facts. That as Jesus says, explore it. I want you to understand who I am. In fact, that's the reason next two Sundays, here's a little plug, in your bulletin is this blockbuster questions. We've got two of the best thinkers when it comes to those who doubt Christianity. Craig Hazen is next Sunday. 
then Sean McDowell the Sunday after that. These two individuals are going to talk about how can we believe in Jesus when there's so many other religions? How can we believe in Jesus when there's so much evil in the world? If you're here and you're doubting Christ, or you're here and you have a friend or a family member who is doubting Christ, they're sort of in a Thomas Instagram mode, then invite them to research the facts. Because we're not afraid of researching the facts, because they will always lead people to faith. As Thomas then concluded, my Lord and my God. God invites us into a relationship that is not based on blind faith, but reasoned faith. That when I understand it, how could I believe in anything less than that? And then we notice that Thomas is one who says, I believe because I see. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have seen me, who have not seen me and yet believe. There's a blessed life to those that believe even though you can't touch the side and the hands of Jesus. There's a blessedness. I'm not going to go into it, but on the back side of the outline that's in your bulletin, I've given you four blessings that can be yours. One of those blessings is the fact that the moment you die, like David in the wheelchair, he says he's going to heaven. You can know that you can go to heaven right now. If you died today, you could go to heaven immediately. There is no in-between. There is no purgatory. There is nothing to separate you from the love of Christ and be in His presence. Touch His side. Touch His hands. See the holes. You can be there instantly the moment you die. That's one of the blessings of believing in Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way to get to heaven but by believing in Jesus Christ. And for those who doubt... Christ desires to connect. Christ offers the facts. In fact, it's interesting, Sean McDowell's dad, Josh McDowell, is one of the books I would list on the back side of the bulletin. If you'd like some of the books that help you understand the facts, go research them because Josh McDowell was an avowed atheist and he went over to England to prove that atheism is true and God is not alive. And by doing his research, he discovered that God is alive. The facts support the faith and now he has become a biggest proponent of Christ there is in the world today. If you'd like to know the facts, Jesus Christ says, come on in. I'd love for you to understand them. As we move on the portrait of the pictures of Instagram, we see then there's another guy by the name of Peter. Peter is one of the great impetuous mans who had this uh, ability to speak before he thinks. Sometimes preachers have those problems as well. And it's for those who have dropped out of the church. David Kinneman has written a book called uh, on those, about those who are lost, and he's discovered that those in the 20s have dropped out of the church. There are plenty of others who do that as well. It's not just a generational thing. But there's a lot of people that have sort of given up on God. Peter, the apostle, his story is told in John 21, and Jesus begins to approach them, and here is how it begins. In 21.1 it says, And these things Jesus, after these things Jesus manifested Himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And He manifested Himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We will come also with you. And they went out into the boat, and they caught nothing that night. See, Jesus had appeared to them. Jesus is no longer there. He is absent. Jesus is going to reappear, but they didn't know that. 
And Tom and, G- and Peter is so much like so many today. You know, thanks, Jesus. That was great to see you in the upper room. It was nice to spend time with you. I was amazed about how Thomas' faith suddenly grew when he saw you and touched you. But you know what? You've not been around for a while, and I'm ready to go back to my old stuff. The only thing that I know how to do is fishing. I'm a fisherman. I go out in there, I catch fish. And so Peter is a little bit like a lot of people today, that unless God is doing something spectacular that really captures my attention, I drift back to those things that I know the best. My job, my career, my profession, my hobby, my personal interest. Because Jesus, unless you're there doing something very special, I'm just, uh, I'm not on board. And so I drop out. I drop out of the church. I drop out in believing. I just don't find it relevant in my life anymore. And Peter has become like that. In fact, Peter's the one who betrayed Jesus just hours before he'd be crucified. So there's probably some shame there. I tried to live that life that you called me to, but I can't. It's impossible. How can anybody live that way? It's too hard. So Peter drops out. I'm going fishing. Come on, guys. Let's just go back to what we know we can do best. And there are so many today that have dropped out just to go to the 9 to 5, do the job, put in the hours, get a paycheck, and just get through life and hope somehow that satisfies. Well, the dropouts are a lot like Peter, and Peter is a lot like them. And we learn these things from those who have dropped out. That Jesus Christ then suddenly appears to them. They catch one of the biggest catches of fish that they'd ever caught because Jesus said, throw it on this side, and they drag in a hundred yards, this big pile of fish. Peter actually jumps out of the boat and swims the hundred yards to the shore when he sees Jesus there. And it says this, that when Peter came to Jesus... It says, Jesus came and said, come and let's have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to ask him who you are, knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took bread and he gave it to them, the fish likewise. And now this is the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so now now Jesus comes to this man who had betrayed him. Jesus comes to this man who had dropped out on him. Jesus comes to this man who had quit on him. And notice the grace of Christ. So when they had finished breakfast, so they're sitting around chatting, just having breakfast like anybody would have breakfast with a man who has resurrected from the dead. (laughs) Just what we all would do, you know. And so they sit around snacking with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus turns his attention to Simon Peter. And he says, Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, tend my lambs. What I love about Christ is that he goes to this dropout Peter, this past failure Peter, this man who tried his best but just couldn't do the job for Jesus. And he seeks to renew his relationship with him. He wants to come alongside him. And as true followers, he says, let's just be part of this community again. Look at this. Here we are together. I am the resurrected one. I still want to gather you together. I still want to love you. And do you love me as much as you love these fish? Or do you love me as much as you love these companions? Do you love me? And God says, I want to build a relationship of love with you. I reach out to you. The problem with Peter is that he had lost the vision. He had lost the mission. He had lost heart. He didn't know where he's going. 
The second thing I noticed about Peter is that God wants to come along and fulfill His purpose for your life. Tend my lambs. I'm still commissioning you to go out there. One of the beautiful things that happens to those who drop out of the church, especially the 20-plus crowd. If you've got friends in the 20-plus crowd and they've dropped out, one of the things that God loves to do with that crowd is to unite them together, build them into a community, and then take whatever their profession, whatever their career, whatever their job, whatever their calling in life happens to be, doesn't matter whether you call it a job or a profession, God says, I want to infuse that profession or job of yours with my power and my purpose so when you go to the job, it's more than just earning a paycheck. It's more than just sitting in a cubicle. It's more than just doing a job for your boss. You're actually employed by me and I'm going to empower you with a purpose and a design and a fulfilling of life that is beyond anything that you could ever do just for your own little paycheck and bring it home, pay the mortgage, pay the rent, pay the car insurance, pay for all the health insurance. Do all that, but I want to give to you a new purpose. And so he comes to Peter, as he said to Peter in Matthew chapter 4, I want to make you fishers of men. I want to take this fishing profession and infuse it with a new purpose that gives fulfillment to your life. Tend my lambs, the other metaphor of sheep. I want to give you a purpose that goes to people and their needs. I want you to reach them for me. When Christ comes to the dropouts, He wants to infuse them with new purpose and new power. He wants to renew their love, but He wants to give them purpose. And that's what those who drop out, they lack that. And then not only that, but He says, I want to give you to some wisdom. He says, to follow me in verse 19. He says, Peter's looking at all the others. What about all these other people? What are they going to do? He says, Jesus says, don't worry about them. He says, when he had spoken to them, he said, you follow me. When I follow Christ, I'm following in his steps. I'm doing what he wants me to do. I suddenly have a new insight about life. Like David and Andrew, muscular dystrophy, children in a wheelchair, you say, man, Lord, do you know what you're doing? When you follow Christ, you know that everything you do is with His power, with His blessing, under His leadership. I want to know that if tragedy strikes, I'm doing that following Jesus. I'm not doing that just following my impulses. Because if I follow my impulses and my own personal desires, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. But if I know that I'm following the lead of Christ, there's suddenly a purpose behind everything that I do. There is a, as I jokingly say, but I mean it seriously, he is the senior pastor because I wouldn't want the job because it's beyond me. And so I want to say, Jesus, you are my pastor. And to you, I give my allegiance so that whatever happens in my life, it's under your watchful eye. It's by the blessing of your hand. I want to know that as I follow you, I've got your wisdom working through my life to do what you ask me to do. Here's the way David Kinnaman talks about wisdom. This is what we all need. Wisdom is the idea of skillful living. Wisdom entails the spiritual, mental, and emotional ability to relate rightly to God, to others, to our culture. Jesus, when I follow you, that wisdom becomes mine that you have because I'm following your lead. Becoming wise does not happen by simply saying the prayer or by memorizing a list of do's and don'ts, or by signing a pledge, or by completing a six-week course. We're not interested in putting people into bureaucracy and programs. We're interested in people who want to follow Jesus and learn how He lives and then live under His leadership. 
As he goes on to say, and instead it is a lifetime process of deep transformation through faith in Christ, knowledge of God's Word, living by the power of the Holy Spirit, and engaging in rich community with other believers. What dropouts like Peter have failed to understand is that Jesus loves me no matter how many times I betray or fail Him, that Jesus wants to come and meet with me and infuse my life with new purpose and new power, and that Jesus says, follow me because I want you to learn from me. I want your mind to be wise so that you are part of a community where there is love and support and engagement. That's why we have so many things going on here from Celebrate Recovery for those who have addiction needs, for care ministries of people who need others to come alongside and guide them and counsel them. And what do I do about this marriage, about this child, about my job, my lack of paycheck, my rent's coming due? We weekly have people coming to us with that. And this community called the church becomes that place where the senior pastor Jesus can lead us and we can follow Him. And God changes and transforms lives. For those who drop out, they, they lose the dynamic of a community that cares for them. And Jesus came to Peter to invite him back in. Jesus comes to us to invite us back in. These two men, Thomas and Peter... Their Instagrams are built around their personal failures. Thomas doubting, prove it to me. Jesus did. Peter, betrayal, drop out. Christ still came to him. Now let me dumb it down for my sake. Let me bring it down to the very earthy natural. Many of you know that I have a love-hate relationship with cats. I love them, they hate me. And no cat lovers are saying, oh, Dave, not an Easter, please. <laughs> but this past week, just three days ago, I was over at our daughters. Our daughters have two homes, and they're literally right next to each other, and they share a wall. Well, Jessica has a cat named Penelope. I don't know where we went wrong, but she has a cat <laughs> named Penelope. <laughs> Penelope has been to our home. I've reached out to Penelope. I've spoken nicely to Penelope. I've gotten water for Penelope. I've even poured food for Penelope. That's just the kind of guy I am. Well, I was in Kirstie's backyard just three days ago to fix something in her backyard. And when I opened the outside backyard gate, there was Penelope standing there staring at me. I thought, what are you doing in Kirstie's yard? And lo and behold, of course, she uses it as a toilet. And so Penelope saw me, and I saw her, and we were standing probably about 10 feet apart. And Penelope suddenly got very scared. Because Penelope, she's just a scaredy cat. <laughs> and she couldn't get... Thanks, Ken. You just got it. She couldn't get back over to Jessica's yard, because I had filled it in, and the area that she would snoop under, she couldn't get there, because I put this called, stuff called DG on her yard. And so she was stuck. And so I said, Penelope, come here, come on. I got down like this. Come on over. I'll help you. I'll help you. And you know what Penelope did? She, her back went up. You know how they do? And she hissed at me. She hissed at me. I mean, I've had people do that to me, but never my daughter's cat. That's just insulting. She's so intolerant and judgmental. It bothers me. 
And so I was just trying to love on Penelope and rescue her from this backyard so she'd get into her backyard and do her toilet business there where she belongs. And so I opened the gate and she scampered out and ran behind uh, out, out the gate that I opened for her and back into Jessica's yard. Never turned around and thanked me or anything. <laughs> here is, now that I've dumbed it down, here is the lesson. There are people like Peter and Thomas that when Jesus wants to come, like a Sunday morning, like Easter, where I go to church, man, I don't know whether I, I've got a lot of doubts and I'm just not, I'm just not on board, but I'll go. We're fearful that Christ is going to come and ask me of something that I can't do, something I don't want to do. And, and we, see, we see Jesus the way Penelope sees me. Like I'm not really loving on her. I'm not really her friend. And we just want to leave me alone. And the problem with Penelope is that she doesn't know me because she doesn't know me. She doesn't trust me. If she knew me, if she could read my heart, she could read my mind, she says, Dave, you really do love me. So therefore, let me come and curl up in your arms and I'll purr for you. Now, Penelope really knew my heart, my love for her. That's what she would do. But because she doesn't know me, she doesn't trust me. And there are people like Peter and Thomas who haven't reached the point to know Jesus the way some of us know Jesus. And that He's not hostile. He's not judgmental. He's not condemning that this is a season of the world's life where Christ is saying, I invite you. Whatever your doubts, check out the facts. Whatever dropout or failures you've done, I still love you. And I invite you into my life and the community that I call my church because I'm here for you. Don't run from the person who loves you the most when he's here to set you free. And the last person we look at, just to set up a story I want to tell you about, is Mary Magdalene. Jesus Christ reached the very first person. That was Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20. Mary had gone to the graveyard tomb. She had gone there to anoint the body of Christ, to pay tribute to the life that He had lived. She traveled with Him. She supported Him, provided for Him. She was dramatically saved transformed in her heart and her life and now Jesus to her knowledge is dead she goes to anoint the body but the body is not in the grave the grave is empty proving the fact that he is not there he is risen and so the angels begin to minister to Mary and she goes to the grave and he's not there and she says to these angels I do not know where they have laid him as she was bewildered by what's going on and Mary Magdalene is like those who are disappointed with life circumstances hadn't turned out well. There's a sense of loss and disappointment. Jesus is no longer here. I've lost the one, the one that leads me. I've lost my Lord. And for us, I've lost the finances, the job, the health. Something, there is a loss. There is disappointment. Circumstances aren't working out well. And as she goes to seek for help, she doesn't know where Jesus' body is. And to me, that symbolizes this desire that sometimes I don't know what Christ is up to. I don't know what He's doing. I don't know what to do next. Christ says, that's, that's okay. 
because the very next step you see is that Jesus is there. She turns around because Christ calls to her. And she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but did not know that it was Jesus. There are so many times in life where we don't know what to do, but Christ is there. I just can't see Him. And He conceals it in some mysterious way that doesn't always make sense to me. But Jesus comes to Him and to us even if we don't recognize it. He is there. Like Peter and Thomas, He is there. And then finally with Mary, He will encourage us and offer direction for our lives. As she finally says, Oh, you are my Lord. You are my God. He says to them, Go to my brethren and say to them, I send to my Father and your Father, my God and Mary, He's your God. Christ loves to take the disappointed, the injured, the hurt, the abused and invite them into a relationship and fulfill in their lives a direction that they otherwise would not have. These three people, their portraits, a picture of their lives, a snapshot, if you will, that shows that even if you are doubters, Jesus wants to come. Even if you're a dropout, a failure, Jesus says, I love you. Come on in. And even if you're disappointed by circumstances, Christ says, I invite you back. I want you. I want to show you one more portrait. And it's not of a 2,000-year-old story of three people, but it's a story that I just learned about just months ago. I had a young lady come to me. Her name is Nancy Gomez. She wanted a pastoral reference to go to Talbot, or to Rosemead School of Psychology over here at Biola. Well, I didn't know Nancy, but she's been attending here working in children's ministries. So I said, would you come in? I'd like to get to know you before I fill out the pastoral reference. And so she did. Tell me your story. And Nancy shared with me that she grew up in a broken home where her mom and dad were not living together, where her mother, with a various boyfriends, moved around so that Nancy had 12 different schools that she attended growing up, where her mother, who was the one who was protector, did not protect her, and she was grievously harmed by those that were in her life. She was told that her father was not living. And then she discovered her father was alive. And she lived with her father for a period of time. But his wife was hurtful to her as well. It became so bad that she ended up in Orangewood over here for children who do not have a home in which they can safely live. She spent a year in Orangewood. And having that background of pain and injury in her life, she ended up trusting in Christ getting a degree from Biola University, and now is applying to Gro Rosemead School of Psychology. I said, how? How does that happen? Christ, the resurrected Lord, is still changing lives. I want you to hear the story of Nancy Gomez. Take a look. When I, when I first started coming, I had all these ideas of what Christians were. I had them in this bubble you know I I wasn't open to it at all but I, I came because I I was interested as to what like what they were sharing the story that they were telling wasn't the story I had heard and that, that, that's what made me come back every Sunday just hearing scripture like like God wasn't just this judging God but this loving God I was like, how come I have never heard of this before? And 
I'm like, I've been carrying all this pain, you know, like for my whole childhood, for my whole life, my family. And now you're telling me that, like, basically it's not meant for me to carry this pain. You know, and like it, it was, it was hard for me to just let go. The whole first year I was here, uh, watching Dave Mitchell share, I would just be bawling, just tears just running down my face. And it was, it was a time when I, I was ready to just, just let go. And no one was here to go against me or tell me that what I believed was wrong. I was just embraced and told, like, just come. And that's what I did. One Sunday, um, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I, I dedicated my life to the Lord. I felt like I was in the new family. I felt like I belonged here. I felt that everything that had happened to me, it didn't matter anymore. It was, it was all gone. God was just releasing me and setting me free. And I, I know that if I wouldn't have come here, I wouldn't have understood everything. I wouldn't have been saved. I can rely on Him no matter what. People are going to fail me. Every, everyone will probably fail me, but He'll never fail me. He's always going to be there for me. I, I lived in fear for a long time. And when I came here, all that fear is just gone. It was just given to God. I mean, God has done so much for me. And I mean, I don't, I don't even feel that burden anymore of my family, of my past, of being abused. I don't feel anything. I'm just happy for what God has given me, that gift of just like seeing a future. You know, and I, I love that. <laughs> Even in the darkest time, he'll he'll be there with me. I didn't know if it was true that he would be there, like if someone was being abused. And now I know that he's there. He's there. He's with you. He's suffering with you. And I I didn't know that before. You know, we always look at God like as a third person. You know, we don't think that He feels our pain. He does. And that's why He's worthy to believe in and to have faith in. And that's why I believe in Him and that's why I know that I have a future because He's going to be there for me. We appreciate Nancy being willing to share her story. We can make the whole story available, uh, Lord willing, online if you'd like to hear more. What I am so blessed by Nancy's life is that not all that happened to her was good, but that God has this mysterious and powerful way to make what happened that is not good become for the good of those who are called by Jesus Christ. And whatever doubts, whatever since the disappointment that she has gone through. When she met the resurrected Jesus, it changed her life and set her free from a lot of the past pain. And now, 
as she goes to Rosemead School of, School of Psychology or whatever school she goes to, she's going to take what God has allowed and what God has taught her, and she's going to serve other children who have experienced what she's experienced. That's good, because there's a lot of pain in this world. And Jesus still loves everyone, and He uses each of us in our profession, in our job, in our lives. He gives us that wisdom. As we follow Him, He gives us that wisdom to go out there and impact those that still need Him. And that's what He invites all of us in this room to do. And I want to invite you into that as well. Let me just turn the camera from Peter and Thomas, Mary, Nancy. Let's turn the camera to us, to those of us who still need Jesus Christ. Whatever your situation is, God wants to set you free from that. So let's take a look one more time of the Polaroid that Christ would take of us that presents a new identity in Jesus Christ. If she took that picture of you, what identity would there be? I can invite you to become like Peter and Thomas and Mary, maybe to take one step away from whether it's doubt, dropout, disappointment, addiction, lust, greed, whatever it may be, and to move from it to be set free by Jesus. And so I'm going to have a prayer right now. And if you'd like to put your faith in Christ, that His death upon that cross was payment for your sin to set you free from whatever sin that may be, and however that sin manifests itself in your life, then we're going to invite you to trust in Him. And sure, there still may be doubts. There may be disappointments. And we'd be willing to walk with you to help wrestle through on those issues. But the first decision is to say, yes, Lord, now I want to seek you. That's my priority. And you help me. You strengthen me. You empower me for the issues of my life. So I trust you now. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that you're a God who is all-powerful and that there is no one else out there who has ever been crucified, buried, and risen again to a brand new life and proven it over and over, meeting with those who are His disciples and the hundreds and thousands beyond that. And the transformation that took place in the lives of those people like Peter and Thomas and Mary and Nancy. God, I... I pray that your living Lordship would transform the lives of some here this morning who need you, who maybe are fearful of you like Nancy was, who don't know you, but could gain insights to you. But if you'd like to begin that journey by saying, I'm, I still have some struggles, but I want to believe. Help me on my unbelief. I invite you to pray with me these words. God in heaven, to the best of my ability, I believe that Jesus died for me. I ask for his forgiveness. Set me free from my sins. I want to begin a new life with you. Help me with the struggles that still may remain. Strengthen me for the journey for my future. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.